Almighty God, we lift you higher. Go ahead and take a seat, guys. How's everybody doing this morning? Did you guys have a good week? For those with children, did you guys have a good spring break? Whoa, I guess my wife had a good spring break. That is so awesome. We're so glad that you guys are here. Uh, as already been stated, if this is your first time, welcome home. My name is Muta. I'm one of the servants here at Relevant Church, and I get the awesome privilege of giving you guys the word this morning. Um, here at Relevant Church, we want to do one thing and one thing well. We want to boldly proclaim that Jesus Christ is relevant. And we do that by creating an atmosphere and hopefully raising up a people who learn to passionately follow Jesus. Love across boundaries and those who have a desire to make a tangible difference in their community, region, and world. And we can celebrate on that, right? Can we create a culture like that? Wouldn't that be awesome to see happen in our time and day when there's a whole lot of stuff happening and there's a whole lot of stuff that we can be distracted by, but one, we can know that Jesus is relevant in every situation, and we know that he is the only king forever that's going to bring about all the hope, all the joy, and all the peace that we're looking for, right? All right. So let me go ahead and pray this morning as we get started. Uh, this message that we've got uh, coming today. If you've been here for around uh, Relevant for a while, you've seen this series that we did, We Will Run. It was kind of our theme for this calendar year as a church. We go from like August to May, and then the summer is kind of like it's wild card. You never know what's going to happen around here during the summer. But uh, this year, we've been really under this theme that we want to run. And there's this text in the Bible where uh, Jesus tells a story about this kid who had walked away from the family, decided to go live his own life. And when he realized that, you know what, life is not all, it's all cracked out to be, partying, doing my own thing. You know what, maybe I should just go home to mom and dad. Maybe if I go home, uh, dad is going to give me a place because the servants have it a lot better than I have right now. And as he's coming home. His dad sees him a far, long way off. And rather than sit there and scoff at him and says, look at this kid. Look, now you decide to come home? His dad runs to him. And so that's what this message is about. It's about running. That's what our theme has been about this year, about running to all those who God is bringing home. Can we pray about that? God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your love and your kindness. Thank you for the awesome worship that the band and the worship team uh, brought us this morning. God, I pray that you may just move in a uh, new way in our hearts, in our minds, as we are hearing your word. Convict us, uh, encourage us, and uh, set us ablaze for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've been reading this book uh, about the Holy Spirit, right? So it's a book that, that I know a lot of us wrestle with who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit is. The reality is we talk about God and we talk about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit sometimes ends up getting like the short end of the stick. We usually uh, treat the Holy Spirit like the unwanted or uh, the, the cousin or the uncle that we kind of don't want to show up and embarrass us in front of our friends. You know that individual, that friend who comes up and they're always going to do something that you're going to just hold your head and like, oh, God, here we go again. And for a lot of people, that's how we look at the Holy Spirit. But it's crazy because as Christians, we believe in a God who exists in three distinct persons, but are all equal, making up one God, God the Father, God the Son, 
God the Holy Spirit. He's a person, a member of what we call the Trinity, but he doesn't always get the love that God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, get all the time. And if we're honest, the Holy Spirit is still a bit of a of a mystery. Let's be real. Like, there's so many things that's written about the Holy Spirit. There's so many ways that the Holy Spirit has moved that people want to um, uh, character as the Holy Spirit. And so it makes us either draw in or draw back. And we're like, I don't know if I really get down with that. But here goes the deal. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides our everyday life. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And look at what it says in John 16, 33. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. The reason every single one of us is sitting here, the reason why every one of us believes in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, for those who are Christians, you came to that place because of the Holy Spirit and no one else. God's Spirit worked and moved inside of you. And so I think we don't give the Holy Spirit enough credit. I mean, come on now. You guys saw my beautiful chocolate wife sitting leading worship. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that she married a guy like me. She wants to watch Beauty and the Beast because I think it kind of characterizes our relationship. She's all beauty and, Lord, this is what you get, you know? But the Holy Spirit doesn't get enough credit. Think about it when you're, you're, you're taking a test in school and you know you didn't study for it. And you go in there anyway, and you take the test, and miraculously, you get a passing grade. That's the Holy Spirit. The students don't want to shake their heads. They're like, oh, man, I just did that last week. (laughs) But think about it. When you're driving in the grocery store, and that person cuts you off and gets that parking space that you saw from around the other side and you spat up, almost hit like three people, and then they get that parking space, and it's the Holy Spirit that keeps you from cussing that person out. If you're honest, it's true. At least we got somebody telling the truth. But I want you to get this, though. I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit wants to and is willing to work through you if you're willing to let him. He's still working this day. He still wants to move in and through you if you're open to his leadings. If you have your Bible, go to Acts chapter 8. I didn't put the page number on there, so it's a New Testament towards the end of the Bible, towards the back. It's Acts chapter 8, and we're going to be in verse 26. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. House crews got some Bibles here and they can get one to you. We got a couple over here. If you got it, say, I got it. All right, we still got a few people flipping. We're going to hear a little story about how the Holy Spirit moved in the life of an individual named Philip. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this guy named Philip. Philip is really just another guy. 
So all these apostles, all these church leaders, all these pastors and elders and high church officials are ministering. They're doing the work. And then some people get to them and like, hey, you know, there's some people who are not eating. Some people aren't uh, getting fed. There's some people in the church who are being looked over. We need you to come and take care of this. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. And they're sitting there like, man, we've got this high calling of having to minister the gospel. I mean, it takes a while to prepare these sermons. It takes a while to get to the point of getting ready to present and deliver this to you. We're counseling people on this side and we're meeting with people on this side. We really just can't stop to do some of the tasks that you're calling us to do. So this is what we're going to do. Call seven guys. Seven guys who have a good reputation. Seven guys who love Jesus and are willing to be used by the Lord. Call these seven guys and we're going to call these guys deacons. They're going to be servants. They're going to serve throughout the church's needs. Philip was one of these guys. Philip wasn't a pastor. Philip wasn't an elder in the church. Philip didn't stand in front of people and preach. Philip wasn't what you would say, oh, he was on this pedestal at church. Philip was another guy who was willing to be used by God. So check it out. We're going to jump into the text. And the first point, if you've got your uh, teaching notes, I'm going to give you guys the first point right now. This first point is this. God does not only call pastors. He calls all of his people. God doesn't only call pastors. He calls all of his people. Let's jump into the text. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. We're going to go back to that statement. And he arose and went. And there, there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. So now, this Ethiopian guy, and it's, it's not like what you would think of Ethiopia right now. I mean, it was in that same region. When, it, when they said Ethiopians, it was talking about the Nubian kingdom. It was, it was a place close to Egypt in Africa. So everybody around this major region was just considered an Ethiopian. And this is the guy. And another thing that it tells us about this guy, it was huge was a eunuch. Now, if you're not familiar with the term eunuch, eunuch means somebody who's been emasculated. It's somebody who's had their man parts chopped off or crushed. See, let me tell you how one became a eunuch. So uh, they would go and ransack a nation. And then in this nation, they would find the strong and able-bodied guys, the young guys, teenagers who looked like they had a lot of promise and a lot of ability to be smart. And what they would do, they would take these kids and then they would emasculate them. They would take off all of their man parts. This was a way to show you that I own you. You can have nothing without me. And then they would put them in this temple service and then they would teach them the law of the land and they would rise and they would become high officials. But you know what? The only place that they could derive their dignity or their hope from was in their job. Because they were emasculated and in a culture that was paternalistic, a a culture where it meant a lot for a man to have children, it meant now you could never get married. Because what wife wants you? Because a woman, her pride was in the sons that she bore. So now no woman wants you. Two, 
You can't own property because the people who had the most amount of property had the most amount of kids to work that property. So now if you can't have a woman and you you can't have property, the only thing you can do is remain in this temple court and serve because that's the only thing that you derive your dignity from. And for some of us, that's kind of our lives. Something happened some way back in our lives where we felt emasculated for us men. Some of us uh, derive our dignity out of our work or out of the things that we do, the labor of our hands, because somewhere deep inside, we're hurting, we're not feeling as if we're worth anything. So we put it all in our work. We pull it all in something else. All in while, inside, there is a little boy that's hurting for how they've been crushed. The disappointment that you felt when your dad walked away. The failure that you felt when your business went under or when you wanted to accomplish something, how you were told that you couldn't be anything. And so you just dive into work. Now, verse 27, it says something interesting about this eunuch. He says, and he arose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, this is interesting. A eunuch was probably part of the Gentile nation, means everything that is not Jewish. The Jewish were the chosen people of God. They assumed that role. They wanted to push everybody out. Everyone who wasn't a Jew was a Gentile. So this eunuch who was a Gentile, who was not a member of the covenant family of God, the Jews, decides to go to Jerusalem and worship. That means this Gentile, for some way, some sort, had found out about this God of Israel, and he says, I want in. I want some of this God. I see that the hope that is derived for the children of Israel, they've got something more to live for, and I want to be a part of that, and I want to worship this God as well too. But guess what? Gentiles were not allowed to worship in the same place as Jews. In fact, the Gentiles uh, could not even enter the temple of the Jews, so much so that there was this law that said, if a Gentile walks into a Jewish temple and gets killed, it's on his own head that he's dead. It was just open season. But yet he's going to the Jewish temple. And even more, eunuchs were definitely not allowed in this space. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 23. These are some of the laws that the Jews had. He says, no one who is emasculated or has his male organ cut off shall enter the assembly of God. You've got this Jewish, I mean, you've got this Gentile, emasculated eunuch. Has no hope except for the high position that he has as chief of the treasury. He hears about this God, now he goes to the temple. He wants that hope, he wants that joy. And guess what happens when he gets to the temple? He gets turned around. No one accepts him. You're not supposed to be here. You, there is no place for you here. In verse 28, it, it opens like this, and it says, and was returning, seated in his chariot. Think about it. He walked, he goes all the way, he travels all the way to Jerusalem to find hope, and he leaves in despair. 
He wants to be filled from God's well, and he finds himself, like we mentioned earlier, in the desert. And some of us walk around in that desert. Some of us have been turned away when we came to church. We know what that experience is. And there's people who come in from the outside who want to be a part of the community of God. God is doing something inside of them, but nobody welcomes them home. They walk into church and no one says hello. No one sits next to them because maybe they look different. Maybe they smell different. Maybe it looks like they just hit the bar last night. And nobody wants to receive them. And we forget this, point number two in your teaching notes. That the first most common visible experience people have with God is with his people. Think about that for a second. The first most common visible experience people have with God is with his people. What message are we giving those who are walking in? Those like this eunuch who've been uh, carrying this burden and they finally discover and say, you know what, maybe I should try God. Maybe I'll have a little bit of hope at the church. I remember because that was me. I remember the one time when I said, you know what, maybe this life that I'm living is not what it's supposed to be about. And I pursued the local church only to be turned away because I wasn't like everybody else. I didn't wear the suit that everybody else wore. I didn't talk the lingo that everybody else talked. But isn't this crazy? Verse 28, right? And was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. He goes and he goes and gets turned away, but he's still reading. He's still studying. He's still learning. There's this hunger inside of him that says, I still want in. I still want to know there's something here that's for me, and I want to be a part of this. And here goes the thing. This is something that all of us Christians, everyone who considers themselves a Christian in here should remember this. Just because somebody looks like they're polar opposed to the faith that we believe in doesn't mean God is not working. Just because we see somebody headed for the wrong direction and seemingly going to hell on fire, pouring gasoline over themselves, doesn't mean that God's Holy Spirit is still not there working. The Bible says man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. Verse 29 through 30. He says, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? Philip is compelled to go with the Holy Spirit. God says, go talk to this God. Get to this chariot. Go join yourself to this chariot. And, and it's interesting that Philip doesn't sit there and think about it. What did Philip do? He ran. He says, God is moving over there. I've got to join him. Let me run towards this guy. So he makes a beeline towards this guy, and a lot of us, that's where we kind of fall short. We, we psych ourselves out. Could this really be God? 
You're walking in the grocery store, and the Holy Spirit says, say hello to that person. I don't know. I'm just going to keep walking. You're getting into, or if you're like me, you put on headphones when you're walking through the grocery store so you don't have to talk to anybody. I know, it's bad, right? Just full transparency, I repent. I'm an introvert. And we use excuses like that. I'm an introvert. I can't talk to anybody. Somebody at work is going through a tough situation, and you know you can pray for that person. You're just like, I don't know. It's going to be a little awkward. What are they going to say? You know, we shouldn't really bring religion in the workplace. So you tell yourself all these things, and I love this term. I've used it many times. You get caught up in the paralysis of analysis. You start counting the cost. Should I? No, wait. You know what? You know, forget it. And we miss all these Holy Spirit moments. But check it out. Philip doesn't just show up. Philip is close enough that he can hear what this guy is reading. Philip is not just coming alongside the chariot and saying, okay, God, I'm here now. Now what? He comes and he leans in. He's present and he's attentive and he's hearing what this guy is doing. Why? Because Philip cared. Do we care? Do we care that people around us are hurting? Do we care that people around us are lost and have eternity away from God to look forward to? Does it even bother us that there are people who are in our own family who are headed in the wrong direction for eternity separated with God? Do we care enough to stand and pay attention? Do we get close enough to these individuals? Does our, do, we, does, do we feel this thing inside of us that says, if I don't connect with this person, it may be between that person and eternity? Point number three. Proximity allows us to see God opportunities in people's lives. I've always said this. If you don't have friends who are sketchy, I don't know what you're doing. If there are people in your life that people will wonder and say, why do you hang out with that person? If everyone around you is all Christian, clean cut, doing the right thing, all on the straight and narrow, where are you guys interacting with somebody who's lost? I remember I I gave the story a couple times ago. I was having dinner with someone, and this individual says, you know what? She left her job because she didn't want to be in an environment where there were going to be lost people. Because she's just so happy to be in her Christian bubble. And you know what? Some of those people just make her very uncomfortable. This this word that the angel uses, that the Holy Spirit uses, it says, And the Spirit said to Philip, this is in verse 29, Go over and join this chariot is the Greek word kalao, and it means to fasten yourself strong. In fact, it literally means cement yourself to that chariot. Hold on so strong and don't let go. Who are you cemented on? Which one of your friends is going in a direction that you know is going to lead them into more and more despair and more and more hopelessness and more and more darkness? How many of those individuals are you cementing yourself towards and saying, no, I'm not going to let you go. We are going to do this together. We're going to struggle together. 
See, for Philip, it wasn't a task. It was a mission. I got Derek and John in here. These are military guys, and they know when you're on mission for the military, you're just not going overseas to do a task. When they send you over there, you're on a mission until that job is done, until mission is accomplished. And if you abandon mission without it being accomplished, there could be some major repercussions for you. If not for the entirety of the nation that you are called to defend. Are we close enough to hear, to see Holy Spirit opportunities? Are we close enough? Are we even looking with the people around us? Verse 31. And the guy responds something really well. He says, so Philip ran, this is verse 30, to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Unless someone guide me, guides me. See, the invitation, showing up is only part of the process. Even, even when we invite people to church, we, when we say this at Relevant Church, don't just be an inviter, be a bringer. The invitation is just step one. The next process is bring them with you. Meet them at their house. I will show up at your house. I will show up and you show up at my house. Ride with me. Let's come together. Don't be just an inviter. Be a bringer. The guy says, how can I understand what I'm reading unless someone guides me? See, attentiveness and intentionality are needed. As the Holy Spirit works in and through us, he's calling us to be attentive and being intentional. And it reminds me of a friend of mine gave me this analogy. He was just like when when he was becoming a Christian and somebody had led him to Christ, an uncle of his led him to Christ. And while he accepted Jesus Christ, he ended up walking away. And no one followed up with him. His uncle never called him. He never checked up on him, never found out what was going on in his life. So eventually, he just kind of drifted off into the wrong path. And then another pastor shows up, and the pastor's talking to him and saying, you know, you need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to uh, become a Christian. And he says, like, I've done all that. But let me tell you what I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in Pop-Tart Christianity. You throw them in the toaster oven. And a minute and 30 seconds later, they're going to pop up and you can walk away. You don't have to think about it because the toaster is going to do its job. And that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. We treat the Holy Spirit like a Pop-Tart machine, like a toaster oven. Okay, Holy Spirit, I did what I was supposed to do. I gave the invitation. I told the person about Jesus. Now you do your job. I've done my part. And it was different because... Yesterday, this weekend, this past couple of days, we were in Grand Rapids hanging out with Pastor Robert from Relevant Grand Rapids. And this is what he told me. He was like, man, I want to make a smoked pork shoulder. It was good, babe, wasn't it? Oh, my God. I go on the side note, as Lewis would say, he's not here. I'd gone to Grand Rapids on mission to go eat Ethiopian food. But Trice 
was like, dude, you've got to try this pork shoulder. And so uh, the first day, I was like, hey, are we going to have the pork shoulder? He was like, oh, man, I didn't get a chance to do it today. Um, I- I'm going to have to do it this evening so we can eat it tomorrow evening. I said, excuse me? I'm hungry now. He says, no, 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 no. You're not going to appreciate the taste until you see what it takes to make this pork shoulder. So that night, I'm sitting in the kitchen with him. And he's pouring all types of seasoning on this pork shoulder. And he's massaging it in there. He's sprinkling the word of God all over this pork shoulder. And he's massaging it in there. He's making sure that it gets in there deep. He flips it over, adds a little bit more rub, and he's rubbing it in there. And I'm sitting there, good God, how long is this going to take, bro? Sorry. He's just like, just wait. And he says, we got to go outside and get the smoker ready. I'm like, you're just not going to throw it in the oven? He's like, no, 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 no. We got to get the smoker right. So he gets in there, and he's messing with the fire. And he's getting the heat just right. He's hanging out with his buddy, and he's, he's telling him about Jesus. He's walking with uh, him and letting him see Jesus all over him. He's getting the fire just right. The pork shoulder's sitting there ready to go in. And then he takes, he takes it, he says, it's, it's ready. And now when I look at the pork shoulder, when he put the rub on there first, it was real dry. It's like it was just these flakes all over, these, just, these seasonings all over But then when I looked, he said, look at it now. It was bloody. It had pulled all of the season inside, and the blood started to run out, and the blood of Jesus started to cover that individual. And that person was immersed in the blood of Jesus, and now they're starting to understand this gospel that you've been talking about. Now you don't only see a person who knows about Jesus. You see a person who's oozing the gospel. And then he takes it and he puts it in this oven. But he just doesn't leave it in the oven. He goes back every few moments to check on it. And all night, he's going out and checking on it. In the middle of the night, he's getting up and going to the pork shoulder to go, make sure it's cooking right. You're calling your friend in the middle of the night. You're checking up on them. How's life treating you? How are things going? How are you wrestling with this life, this this heat of life that comes around all of us? And then the next day, he goes and he grabs it. Now, before he grabbed it, he had taken this tray, and I'm seeing him pour vinegar and all this type of stuff. He's got it. He's he's creating this, this, this base. Got tomatoes more seasonings and he's filling up the tub he's filling it up because now this individual who's been covered by the blood of Jesus is about to be baptized and he's taking this pork shoulder and he comes and he lays it in there he says man we've got to immerse it we've got to pour the water all over it We've got to pour the base all around it so that it gets so deep inside because only after this will will you be able to taste that flavor. When that person comes out of the water, they are publicly saying, I'm ready to, I'm following Jesus for the rest of my life. I just want you to know. So he puts it in the oven for some more time. And he's still watching. 
And finally, the time comes when he pulls it out. And now he starts pulling it all apart. He's stripping the meat away. He pulls out the bone. All the hard places in that person's life are now gone. He takes out the shoulder. And now he looks at it. And what does it say in the word of God? He will look at his sons and say, well done. And he looks at this pork shoulder. He says, this is done well. Now it's ready to eat. Now enter into the joy of your Lord. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I will set you over much. And this individual who you walk through, now you can begin to enjoy this fellowship as brothers. Not only as a person who you want to lead close to Jesus, now that person is giving you nutrients. He's, we're eating this pork shoulder and it's tasty and it's feeling good to us because this individual, now that they've come to faith in Jesus Christ, now that they've been walking with Jesus Christ for a while, now that they've felt the fire of life and are now well done, they begin to nourish you. And it's not a one-sided deal. Verse 35 to 36. Starting in verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opens his mouth, and beginning with the scripture in verse 35, he told him the good news about Jesus Christ. This good news about Jesus Christ, that all who come to faith in Jesus, eunuch, Jew, Gentile, all can find salvation, all can find hope, all can find peace and joy through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We all find acceptance. We all find salvation. And then look what happens. A random watering place shows up in the desert. Holy Ghost moment. Holy Spirit moment happening all around us. Are we keeping our eyes open? He says, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? See, the eunuch is still so used to being rejected that he's got to ask, what now stands in my way? My emasculation stood in my way. My inability to have a wife stood in my way. My inability to own property stood in my way. The uh, uh, fact that my father was not there growing up stood in my way. The fact that I've failed at so many things in life, that I've made so many mistakes, that I've broken so many hearts, that I've broken so many people's uh, dreams and lives, that I've broken myself. What stands in the way? See, here's water. Point number four, Holy Spirit moments happen when we follow his lead. Holy Spirit moments happen when we follow his lead. Verse 38. He says, and he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. See, the eunuch now has his hope renewed. He's got his joy restored. He's finally found the acceptance that he's always been looking for. It's no longer in sex. It's no longer in drugs. It's no longer in his property. It's no longer in his job. 
It's in Jesus Christ. He's used to being excluded and rejected. Now he knows what true acceptance means. And this Greek phrasing that he uses here says they both went down into the water. It's about being in solidarity with those individuals who we're running next to. It's not about just leading that person to the water and saying, okay, cool, you're done, you're moving on. But he gets in the water with him. And the way they phrase this, this structure, it says he went down into the water. They both went under the water and they came up together. Philip was running next to this man. Philip just didn't run to the Ethiopian. He was committed to running alongside of him. Now here's a question for you. Will you run? This Easter, there's people all around us who God is moving through. That he's calling us to run to. Will we run? See, Philip wasn't a pastor. He wasn't eloquent with words. He didn't know how to pray those high and lofty prayers. He was just a guy who was willing to be used. Will you run? Look what it says in Romans 10. This is talking about people out there. The people who we walk by every single day. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet, those that bring the good news? Will you run? Who will you run to this Easter? See, here at Relevant, this Easter, we're going to run. That's why you got invitations on your seat. That little, uh, little white envelope there. We want to give you resources to help you run. We want to equip you with ways to be able to interact with individuals. Even in there, there's some directions of how you can begin running all throughout this week. There's something that you can do daily on Monday, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then on Saturday, you know what we say? Just pray. Just spend the day praying for everybody who's seen your posts, who's, who's gotten the invitation. And don't hesitate to invite those who God is leading you to. The Holy Spirit's at work. Check this out. I didn't get this in the notes, but I, I want to tell you about it. So the text that this guy was reading was Isaiah 53, this eunuch. And in Isaiah 56, verses 4, if he would have continued reading, and I bet you uh, through this, uh, Philip sat down and he shared this with him. In Isaiah 56, verses 4 through 5, this is what it says. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and I within my walls a monument and a name better than the sons of daughters. The eunuchs who were once excluded are going to receive a name better than the sons and daughters of God. He's going to have a monument in his house for them. He says, I will give them an everlasting name that shall never be cut off. 
son of God, brother to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is at work. Will you run? God, we just thank you for this opportunity to see how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of individuals throughout your word. And we know, God, that the, your Holy Spirit still works in, the, in our lives. We know that it's visible and, it's, and you are present, Holy Spirit, in our lives even today. Even in our hearts in this moment as we've been convicted over this world, Lord, there's people around us who you're putting on our minds, who you're calling us to run to. And I pray, God, that we won't hesitate, but like Philip, we will get out and we'll run. And we just won't stop at the invitation this Easter. We're going to become bringers. We're going to be attentive to the Holy Ghost moments and the lives of the people around us so that we're going to walk with them up until they show up Easter morning. Where they can hear the word of God preached and the gospel shared and those who are far from God can finally find their unification and their reconciliation through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we will run. I pray, God, that any fear, any uh, thing that is inside of us that stands between us and running for you will be released this morning. That you will give us Holy Spirit boldness because we recognize that Jesus Christ is relevant in our lives and so he must be relevant in the lives of those around us and we will run to them. Lord, I, I wait upon your move. Because we know this Easter, Lord, your children are coming home. And Lord, as they walk in through these doors, we will run to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.